Fantastic. Good. Great. So I'm going to speak about the joy of the Lord, and this is week four of our theme of the God of the breakthrough. And so I just want to share that as we came to the end of last year, I made a decision that the joy of the Lord was going to be my strength, uh, and that is biblical. That is a verse that we will look at in the Bible in a few minutes. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. But let me tell you what led me to come to this place where I had to make uh, an active choice, an active decision that the joy of the Lord would be my strength. So this is a few Sundays ago. We were, uh, we were here at the school. Um, and I actually, sometimes Sunday mornings can be busy. Who knows that? Um, you know, we have a lot of people in our congregation, and I love that. I love that we gather together in, in big numbers. And uh, one Sunday morning, uh, we'd had a pretty full-on morning, a lot going on, and I felt a little bit overwhelmed, actually, uh, by some of the conversations that I'd had as we were setting up, as we were preparing for the service. And I was kind of sat there, and just like my, my mind wasn't on Jesus, I guess, as, as I really wanted it to be. Um, needs that people had, um, circumstances that I was aware of that, that people were going through, um, criticisms that, that I'd b- had been shared with me. Um, you know, and there's a way to share things if you don't think things are right. Um, there's a nice way and there's a mean way. I like the nice way. Um, you know, there were some key people that weren't um, around on that particular Sunday morning. Things hadn't gone to plan. I had a few niggles. I'm human. Uh, and it was just the general business of a Sunday morning. And I was like, oh, I feel a little bit overwhelmed this morning. Um, and on top of that, the early start. Uh, you know, a cold winter's morning. It's still dark when you get here uh, for setting up at the school. And um, anyway, that Sunday morning came and went. And then as the week went on, I began to hear about people that weren't going to be there the following Sunday, some key team members, some key people on the setup team. Uh, I'm not going to say exactly which Sunday it was, so no one feels bad that they weren't here. Um, But uh, yeah, and uh, I was like, oh no, it's going to be another one of those Sunday mornings um, where everything is just like a bit busy and a bit overwhelming. And, um, And then... Just what came into my heart at that point was the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It just kind of arrived just when I needed, needed it to. And I remember speaking to Sean on that Saturday, saying to Sean, you know, it's going to be a full-on Sunday again. There's so many people away. But I said, I've decided the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've decided that I'm going to be a joyful person. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to carry and exude joy. I'm not going to fake it. I'm going to get the joy of the Lord uh, in my heart. God's going to fill me with his joy, and I'm going to be strong because of it. And it made all the difference. And actually, since then, um, I just keep reminding myself that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I believe that um, if we have the joy of the Lord in our lives, then that is one of the keys to breakthrough because it gives us great strength in our life. If you want strength, go after the joy of God. And I think it's so easy sometimes to lose the joy of the Lord, to focus on uh, regrets, to focus on circumstances, to focus on sin, legalism. And we're going to talk about all of that this morning. But actually, um, get the joy of the Lord in your heart and you will be a strong person and you will see breakthrough in your life, I believe. Amen? 
So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now in Nehemiah chapter 8, everyone say Nehemiah. Good. In Nehemiah chapter 8, the walls of the city of Jerusalem had been rebuilt and the temple had been rebuilt and the Jewish people had all gathered together in Jerusalem. Ezra was the priest. He'd overseen the rebuilding of the temple. And Ezra uh, got the book of the law of Moses, which was um, in our Bible, that's the first five books of the Bible, also known as the Pentateuch or the Torah. And so they got this book of the law and they began to read it to the thousands and thousands of people that were gathered in this, in this rebuilt city of Jerusalem. So basically they had a mass Bible study. And in that passage actually it names um, Ezra's kind of sidekicks, his team, uh, who helped the people understand what was being taught from the Bible. Isn't that good? So there's this mass, thousands of people Bible study going on. Um, but what was interesting is the reaction of the children of Israel when the word of God was, was uh, communicated, when it was taught. Uh, because you know, this was a day of celebration. Restoration had happened. But actually, they began to mourn and weep because they realized how far they had strayed from God's ways. Here we are, Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. Let's read it, if you haven't already. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. What a reaction. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for... What? Can you just go back again? Send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. <laughs> Do not sorrow. Here we are. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's a little bit missing there. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen? Amen? The joy of the Lord is your strength. So on this great day of celebration, all the people had come together in the city and they just began to cry. Imagine thousands of people crying. Now the children of Israel were really good at that. Do you remember... Um, when they sent um, spies into the land to check out what the land of Canaan was like, the promised land. And the 12 spies came back. Ten of them had a bad report. Uh, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they had a great report. But the other ten didn't. And guess what the people did? They wept. They cried all together. Imagine the noise. Imagine how rubbish that must have felt. Anyway, Nehemiah told them to stop it. He said, stop being sorrowful, but rejoice and celebrate. The Lord had completed a great work of restoration. Amen? This, incredible things had happened. The temple and the city walls had been rebuilt, despite the attempts of their enemies to stop this happening. Great things had happened. And this restoration had happened not because the people had done anything particularly right, um, in fact, they were in a really bad place spiritually as a nation. This restoration happened because of the goodness of God, because of the grace of God, not because uh, the, God's people had keep, kept God's laws. They were well upset when they heard the reading of the law. They began to mourn and weep. They were like, oh, we haven't been living God's way. 
But Ezra and Nehemiah said, no, stop it. Let's celebrate. Let's rejoice. Because this isn't a work of, this isn't because of your good works. It's not because you obeyed the law. It's because of the grace of God that this great restoration has happened. Amen? So it reminds me, well, the thing is, when you focus on your inabilities, your weaknesses and your sins, you become weak. Amen? When you focus on your failures, you become weak. But when you focus on the goodness of God and all that he has done in your life, you get great strength and joy. So it reminds me of when a person comes to Christ, um, often our first reaction, and it's a right reaction, is um, to mourn and weep. When you come to realize what Jesus did for you when he died on the cross, he took your sin. And sometimes the reaction to that is, oh God, I have sinned. A reaction of mourning, weeping, repentance it's called. It's saying, God, I recognize that I haven't hit the mark. I recognize that there was no way that I could hit the mark and I have sinned against you. And then we receive Jesus. And, and actually what, what God wants us to do is move from repentance into joy. He wants us to, to realize that we'd sinned, to recognize and repent of our sin, but then to move to a place of joy and celebration, not because we deserve anything that God's given us, but because of the grace of God that has been shown towards us. We're saved by his grace, aren't we? Not by our works. We'll have a look at that verse in just a second. So Jesus has completed this amazing work of restoration, and we are inheritors of it. Remember Jesus said about himself, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So this incredible restoration took place when Jesus, was, when he died, was uh, buried and then rose from the dead. That wasn't just a restoration of him, that temple, but it was a restoration that was made available to all humanity. And we are recipients of, of God's redemption. That means buying back. We are recipients of this total work of restoration that, that God has attained for all humanity when you put your faith in Christ. When you repent of your sin and put your faith in Christ. What a wonderful salvation we have. Not based on what we've done, but based on the grace of God. God says about you today, listen, someone needs this, all things new. All things new. All things new. Not just some things new, all things new. You're new creations in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise God. That's what Jesus has done. Not because of our works, not because we obeyed God's law, but because of his grace. Praise God. So, like the children of Israel, it's important that we find our strength in God. Our daily strength comes from rejoicing in the goodness of God. Amen? That's where you find your strength from. Not from looking at your inabilities, not from looking at your weaknesses and your failures, but from rejoicing in the goodness of God and all that he's done for you. You see, it says in Galatians 3 verse 24, it says, Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So that law of Moses that, that the children of Israel heard 
um, that Torah, that Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, lay out God's ways very clearly. And the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In other words, there's no one that has completely fulfilled, uh, um, walked in God's ways perfectly apart from Jesus. And that perfect man, Jesus, laid down his life on the cross. And in exchange, we were given his righteousness, his perfection, and he took our sin and paid the price for our sin. Praise God. So what an awesome salvation we had. So, you know, the law... uh, was our tutor. In other words, it showed us that we couldn't live right before God. It showed all of humanity that you can't live perfect and you need a saviour. And so when you put your faith in Christ, you're justified. I heard it said that justified simply means just as if I'd never sinned. Praise God. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So there is no boasting. No one has attained their salvation by their good works. It's simply because of God's incredible grace towards us. Now, when it comes to being a people of breakthrough, it's important to remember that we have the victory in Christ Jesus through what he did for us on the cross, through his resurrection. We have the victory in him. You know, God's arms have become wide open to every one of us to run into. The blessings of God's kingdom have been poured upon our lives and are available to us to live in. We've been rescued. It says in Colossians 1.13, we've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of the son of his love. Hallelujah. Anyone happy about that today? Anyone glad? That it's not down to your abilities, it's down to the grace of God. And focusing on what God's done for us, this amazing salvation will bring joy into our lives and give us great strength. And God wants to give you his joy because when you have his joy, you have his strength. And when you have his strength, you will see breakthrough in your life. Now, the devil doesn't like this. There is an enemy. He's called the devil. God good devil, bad. One of the first things I learned from Pastor Randy. He made, makes it very simple for me and for us. God good, devil bad, right? The devil doesn't want you to have joy. He wants to steal your joy. Just don't put your hands up, but anyone ever experienced that where it feels like your, your joy has been stolen? Yeah? I think a lot of us can relate to that. But it says in Ephesians 6 verse 11 that we should stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Um, One of the enemies, the, the devil's tactics, schemes, is to steal our joy. And when you lose your joy, you lose your strength. And I believe that God wants us to be a people who have the joy of the Lord. Now... It seems to me, and I'm sure there are more than this, but it seems there are three main schemes or ways that the enemy tries to rob us of our joy. So we're going to talk about these three things, uh, legalism, regret, and circumstances. Legalism. What's legalism? Well, it's when we religiously try and follow rules and regulations in order to 
to please God, to, uh, to kind of earn God's favor. And we've already established today that that's impossible because we already have God's favor upon our lives. So when you live in that way, legalistically, religiously, trying to follow rules and regulations, um, you become miserable. Most religious people are very miserable because they're not able to live up to the uh, unachievable standards that religion and themselves set for themselves. Um, Yeah, you're constantly reminded of your sin when you try and live according to rules and regulations. The law is our tutor. But that was the old way, or the old covenant, before Jesus came and set us free from the law. Now, the new way, the new covenant, is much better. Woo! Through our faith in Jesus, not through our works, through our faith in Jesus, we've been washed clean of sin, become new creations, as we've talked about already. We're children of God. We've been given the Holy Spirit to teach us, to empower us, to equip us to live God's ways. And when we don't, when we mess up, the grace of God is there. Because we're not saved by our works, we're saved by God's grace. But the Bible's very clear. We're called to live for God now. We're called to live differently. We're children of the light. We're children of God's kingdom. But the way to do that isn't to follow rules and regulations. It's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's to be a people that draw on the strength and the grace of God every day in our lives um, to live for the glory of God. And that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. The Bible says that the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6, that is. So in Matthew 23, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees, the religious leaders, because basically what they did all day, every day, was they put um, weights upon people that were too much to bear by trying to get people to follow rules and regulations. In Galatians 5, the church is rebuked for going back on the rules and for going back to the rules and regulations of the law, having started off so well in the spirit. And there seems to be this kind of human thing where everything is measured. Everything is about performance and achievement. But that is not God's way. That is not, because this is, this is the truth. You can't be more perfect before God than you are right now. So it's not about measurement and, and achievement and, and rules and performance, because you're perfect before God right now. The Bible says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Who is glad about that today? I'm very glad about that. So when we live in the Spirit, there's no striving. There's great joy. And that brings great strength to our life. It says in Romans 14, verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. You can eat and drink when you're part of God's kingdom. That's good news, isn't it? Well, I'm happy about that. Uh, but it's not about what you eat and what you drink. So in other words, the, the, the Roman church here, um, there was these big debates. Or, you know, is it okay to eat this or that or the other? Um, you know, do, does God accept you if you, if you uh, eat this, that, and the other? And, and the fact is, um, the Apostle Paul was saying to the Roman church, chill out. Um, let everyone have their own convictions. That's fine. 
The kingdom of God is about this. It's about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's about having the Spirit in our lives and living in the righteousness and the peace and the joy that comes as a result of the Holy Spirit living in you. Um, I believe there's people here today whose journey with God has been stopped because of, of sin, maybe a sin or sin generally in your life. You've become stuck because of something that you did that has brought you to a place of sorrow and you've forgotten that your sin has been forgiven or you've not completely accepted that God has forgiven you. And if you stay in this place of sorrow, then you're not going to move forwards in God's path for your life and you're never going to take hold of the breakthrough that God has for you. King David was one of those people who got stuck because of sin in his life. And um, he found himself in a place of mourning. He'd messed up big time. But then what King David did, once he'd repented, once he'd said, right, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to sort myself out. And I'm going to get back on God's path. He said these words in Psalm 51 verse 12. He said to God, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. When you think about what Jesus has done for you, this incredible salvation, joy comes into your life. Amen? <laughs> so it's time to move out of sorrow and into joy. Because the joy of God's, when the joy of God's salvation fills your heart, you'll live according to God's spirit, as that verse also says. Uphold me by your generous spirit. Help me, teach me to live, equip me, empower me by your generous spirit. You're going to become strong as you do that. Second thing is this. Legalism is the first thing that, that I think the enemy uh, uses or we use, humanity uses, just the way it is, uh, to, um, to take the joy away from our lives. Another thing is regret. The children of Israel were constantly held back by regrets. When they left Egypt and they began traveling towards their land of promise, they started, for some reason, to regret leaving their old life because temporarily it seemed like they were in a worse place than they were originally, even though they were slaves in Egypt and were desperate to get out of that place of slavery. This made them miserable. Their regrets made them miserable. And they lost the strength that they had when they had miraculously been taken through the Red Sea. They were in a place of great strength that day. But a few days later, they are miserable and regretting leaving Egypt. And the difference is this, joy. They allowed regret to steal their joy from their lives. And they ended up in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 8, the people's first response, as we read just now, the people's first response to the reading of the, the law of Moses, the commands of God, was, was regret. And it led them to mourn and weep. And they would have stayed in this place of regret, of, of mourning and weeping, um, if Nehemiah hadn't... Um, 
basically rebuked them and said, hey, today is a day of celebration. We're going to focus on the goodness of God and what God has done. And then they got the joy of the Lord. And they became a strong people because the joy of the Lord was their strength. Lot's wife, she looked back. Perhaps that was something to do with regret. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. So her breakthrough was immediately halted. I think that when we allow regret to fill our hearts, we, we get stuck looking backwards. And, and so our, our path, our, our journey is halted by the regrets. Your heart becomes full of sorrow and you have no strength to keep moving forwards. Can anyone relate to what I'm saying today? You know, none of us can change the past. You know that. We can't rewind the clock, but we all have a future. And our future is of varying lengths for many different reasons. Our future is of varying lengths, but we all have a future. Amen? And God wants you to run the race that he has set before you with joy and with strength. So it says in Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. You know, I think that laying aside of every weight, I think that could well refer to regrets. And the sin that so easily ensnares us, that could well refer to, to legalism and allowing sin to become bigger than the salvation that Jesus has given us. And it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Don't say Pastor Stu just because I was waving at you. Looking unto Jesus, amen? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I just think, church, it's time to lay aside every weight, every weight of regret that has stolen your joy for so long. In, so, in some cases, in, for so long. And focus on what Jesus has done. Looking unto Jesus, it says. Looking unto Jesus. And isn't it wonderful that the joy that was set before him was the salvation of humanity? What an awesome thing that God so loved the world that he gave his son. As we look unto Jesus, as we determine that we're going to lay aside every weight of regret, then the joy of the Lord becomes our strength and you will see breakthrough in your life. Amen? God wants to pour the oil of joy into your life in place of mourning. And then the third thing that can steal our joy is circumstances. Everyone say circumstances. That's really not good, is it, like in terms of spitting that word? Sorry. As I said it, I was like, no, I shouldn't have done that. But it was too late. We are family. So our circumstances can rob us of joy. You know, there's things that constantly happen in life that can steal our joy, the joy of our salvation, isn't there? Like constantly. 
That was me, like, several Sundays ago, just feeling overwhelmed by circumstances. And circumstances got on top of me and became my focus, and, and, and joy was just like, Where is, where's the joy? Where's the joy? And I had to make a decision, well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So I had to go find that joy, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. In Psalm 23, we see that our circumstances can sometimes be like mountains. It's not on the screen, but, you know, yay. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, we sometimes, it sometimes feels like we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes it literally is the valley of the shadow of death. Um, but sometimes our circumstances can just feel so overwhelming so we can feel so overshadowed by what's going on and find ourselves in a place of darkness. But let me just remind you, the psalm says we walk through the valley. We don't stop in the valley. Maybe you have tripped up in the valley. Maybe you've just, you know you've been in the valley for too long. The valley where circumstances have overwhelmed you and it feels like darkness has just got all over you. Um... But this is the truth. God wants you to walk through the valley, not remain in the valley. Um, and so, you know, the enemy wants you to stay in darkness. Don't be, don't be deceived. The enemy wants you to stay in that place of darkness. But you will become weaker and weaker and weaker if you remain in the valley that your circumstances have created. And in those times, it is vital that we reach out to God. Hello? It's vital that we reach out to God. And it says in Micah 7, verse 8, this is literally one of my go-to passages of Scripture. It says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. Come on, let's do that again. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. The Lord will be a light to me. You know, you might be in a place of darkness now, but God wants to shine his light into your life and bring you out of that place of darkness that your circumstances have created in your life. So when circumstances overwhelm your life, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Habakkuk. Habakkuk a coffee. Chapter 3, verses... I can't say it without saying that now. Um, chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. And for those of you that are new to Family Church... It is scriptural that men make tea and coffee because Hebrews. Okay. Thank you. So um, back to Habakkuk. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. He's in a bad place, but this is his response to the darkness. It says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines... Though the labor of the olive may fail and the trees yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I just love that. I will joy. I don't know what that means, but I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my high heels. Hills. Up above the circumstances, not in the valley. 
So how do you get the joy of the Lord? I don't want to leave you short this morning. Well, we've spoken about three things that rob the joy. There is one thing that will fill you with the joy of the Lord and bring strength to you. You ready? God's presence. That's it. Psalm 16, verse 11. You, God, will show me the path of your life. Of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God's presence is where we find true and lasting joy. I don't know if you've ever felt God's presence, experienced God's presence, but it is to be felt. It is to be experienced. God is a very real God who wants to fill your life. He wants to saturate your life with his presence. You know, heaven is the absolute fulfillment of God's presence and the absolute fulfillment of joy, of true and lasting joy. But even in this life, we can experience joy because we can have the presence of God even when we walk through this life. Heaven is the ultimate experience of God's true and lasting joy. But even in this life, even in the midst of all the mountain situations, all the valleys that we walk through, we can experience the joy of the Lord because God wants to fill your life with his presence. And if you are lacking joy in your life, get the presence of God because in his presence is fullness of joy. God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Can I have um, the band, the whole band up, please? But you mustn't be distracted by their beauty as they come up here. No one said amen there. Amen? Right. So God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit is referred to as, as new wine? And the Bible says that uh, we shouldn't be drunk with wine. We shouldn't be um, influenced under the influence of, of wine or alcohol, but we should con be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. New wine speaks of, of celebration and joy. And there is this constant supply of new wine, the Holy Spirit, that God wants to fill your life with. So if you are feeling down, low, like you're in a place of darkness right now, the presence of God in your life will totally change that. Amen? In Acts chapter 2, verse 13, the disciples piled out of the upper room, having been filled with the Spirit, and it was like they were drunk, but they hadn't been drinking alcohol. They had just been filled with the Holy Spirit. They were just crazy people, just wild for God. So when you feel legalism, regret, circumstances weighing you down and robbing you of your joy, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. God's joy will bring strength to your life. So in other words, get God's presence. You'll get God's joy. You'll get God's strength. And you will be set up for breakthrough. Week number four. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Philippians 4.4. 4. As Sean said last week. Rejoice. 
in the Lord. And again I say, rejoice. If you are new to Family Church, or if you've never made the decision to ask Jesus to be Lord of your life, to be your Savior, if you've never said, yes, Jesus, I accept that incredible gift that you've got for me, salvation, then right now you've got the chance to do that. Jesus died on the cross. He took your sin. Everything that separated you from God, Jesus took it upon himself. When you put your faith in Jesus, you become right before God because your sin is removed from your life. It's paid for and it is forgiven by God and you get to stand before God perfect in his sight. The Bible says that you're born again. You're made new. You become a child of God when you put your faith in Jesus. So would you just quickly bow your heads and just pray this prayer with me. Just repeat out loud each line of this prayer as I pray this prayer, church. Say, Dear Father, I accept that I cannot live up to your perfect standard and I repent of my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I believe that you forgive me and you make all things new. I surrender to you and I want to take your path for my life. So please fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live a life that honors you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed just for a moment. If you prayed that prayer and you've just made your peace with God, what a wonderful thing that is. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices, and we do as well. Would you just do one more thing for me, just while everyone else's heads are bowed? Just would you raise your hand and say, yeah, that was me. I prayed that prayer, and today I have made my peace with God. I'm walking now in relationship with God. Thank you, and thank you. Wonderful, and thank you. That's wonderful. There's one at the back there. Thank you. Awesome. Anyone else? Just raise your hand high so I can see it. Praise God. Okay. Wonderful. Lord, I just thank you that you continue to work in each one of these lives. Thank you, Lord, that you've started a good work. And you're going to bring it to completion in Jesus' name. Let's stand. Let's worship Jesus. You know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. Let's just let the presence of God fill our lives right now. That's it. Have a little stretch if you need to. I see a load of you stretching. Right, you stretched? All good. Now let's lift our hands to the Lord and sing these words. Spirit, break out. Break down the walls. Praise God. Thank you, Ella.